No songs, no dance numbers, just deception, death, and a debatable happy ending. This isn't the animated classic you grew up with. If you enjoy this episode on Hans Christian Andersen's The Little Mermaid and want to hear more like it, be sure to follow the podcast, Tales. Every Wednesday, hear a fresh but dark take on your favorite pieces of folklore. Listen to Tales free on Spotify. It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like... What the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. The following episode contains adult themes such as mutilation and murder. Listener discretion is advised. The Little Mermaid was exhausted and scared. She'd been swimming for hours through a bubbling mire of dense seaweed and stinking gray mud. Now she was finally within sight of her destination. The witch's house was just barely visible through the dim, dense underwater forest. As the mermaid gazed into the depths of the wood, a shiver of fear crept up her spine. A thousand eyes looked back at her. This was no ordinary forest. The things that lived here were nothing like the trees and bushes that grew near her father's palace. They were polypi, half animal, half plant. The creatures grew together in a confused jumble of worm-like proboscis. Each one seemed to have half a dozen heads, and for each head, there were twice as many creeping arms. The arms glistened in the dim light, and they seemed to be coated in some kind of mucus. They moved ceaselessly, reaching for anything unlucky enough to fall within their grasp. The Little Mermaid looked mournfully behind her, toward the long, winding road that led to her father's palace. Then she thought of her prince. She tucked her long hair under the delicate crown of pearls that sat atop her head. Then she took a deep breath and swam deeper into the forest. Hi, I'm Vanessa Richardson. You're listening to Tales, a ParCast original. Every other Saturday, we dive into the dark origins of another fairy tale. However, beginning February 19th, Tales will be going weekly, releasing every Wednesday. You can find all episodes of Tales and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Tales for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Tales in the search bar. Today we'll be telling Hans Christian Andersen's The Little Mermaid. You may think you know this light-hearted tale of a spunky mermaid who dreamed of life on land, but the original Danish version is a much grimmer and more heartbreaking fable. The tales on this podcast are dark, sometimes scary, and full of adult themes. 
As a warning, the original story of The Little Mermaid features descriptions of mutilation and ritualistic murder. Please exercise caution for children under 13. At Parcast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network. And if you enjoyed today's episode, the best way to help us is to leave a five-star review wherever you're listening. It really does help. The beloved Danish children's author Hans Christian Andersen wrote The Little Mermaid in 1837. Though it is an entirely original work, it draws on a long tradition of mermaid folklore. Half-human, half-fish beings have populated mythologies as far back as 1800 BCE, when the ancient Babylonians prayed to the water god, Ea. The first female mermaid appears a scant 800 years later in the form of Atargatis, a Syrian goddess of water and fertility. In Roman times, mermaids were downgraded to sprite-like creatures. Roman naturalist Pliny the Elder wrote of man-fish hybrids covered in scales and intent on capsizing ships. The sirens of the Odyssey play a role in the creation of the mermaid myth as well. Though they're not half-fish, they cemented the trope of beautiful, sea-dwelling women whose lovely voice causes sailors to drown themselves. Though Anderson's mermaid owes a debt to this long history, her own ancestry can be traced through two specific texts. In the early 1500s, a physician named Paracelsus wrote a medical and philosophical text, which included a chapter on nymphs, sylphs, pygmies, and salamanders. In it, he mentions a race called the Undine, water dwellers who lack a soul, but can gain one through marriage to a human. In 1811, a German soldier named Friedrich de la Motte Fouquet expanded on Paracelsus' work in his short story, Undine. Undine is the tragic tale of a rebellious water nymph. Upon her marriage to the knight Huldbrand, she gains a human soul and grows to love her chivalric husband. Eventually, Undine is trapped underwater, and Huldbrand, thinking she has died, marries another woman. On the night of his wedding, Undine appears to administer a fatal kiss to her beloved. Though these stories serve as the basis for Anderson's Little Mermaid, the tale that Anderson weaves, like most of his work, is entirely original. It's this combination of the stories we know, told in a manner we don't, that makes The Little Mermaid one of the most enduring and defining tales in folklore. Ephemera ran her fingers through her granddaughter's hair and wrapped pieces of it round a crown of delicate lilies. Tell me again about the mountains. As she stroked the back of an iridescent blue angelfish that swam past her, Ephemera laughed. <laughs> Haven't you heard enough about the world above? Her granddaughter shook her head earnestly. Ephemera sighed. She supposed this would be the last time anyone would ask her for stories of the surface world. 
Zirena was the last of her son's seven daughters, and today was her 15th birthday. Today she could finally swim up to the surface to see that world for herself. All the girls had been eager to see the surface, but none had been as excited as Zirena. She'd always been an odd child. The other girls begged their grandmother to tell them exciting tales of magic and romance, or frightening stories of the sea witch who lived far beyond the palace grounds. Zirena only wanted to hear about the world above. Zirena had a little garden outside the castle. In the center of it stood a statue of a handsome young man carved of fine white marble. Zirena surrounded it with crimson flowers and placed kelp stalks all around it. She called him her little prince and spent most of her time seated beside him, dreaming of the world he had come from. Now Zirena would finally get her wish. At dusk, she would swim up to the world above. Ephemera picked up one of the oysters that sat on her dressing table. She held it close to her granddaughter's tail. The mollusk opened its mouth and bit down hard. Zirena gave a little yelp of pain. It hurts, grandmother. The oysters were a mark of rank. Most noblewomen only wore six, but Zirena would have eight. Ephemera reached for another as she said, I know, my dear, but pride must suffer pain. Zirena was a woman now, and pain was a lesson she would have to learn. Zirena's heart raced as she rose up toward the surface. She'd waited her whole life for this moment, the first time she would see the world outside her ocean home. She burst out of the water to a magnificent vista. A sunset painted the sky in brilliant shades of pink and gold. Zirena felt a surge of boldness and excitement. Nearby, a ship was making its way out of the harbor, and she swam up to it. She didn't worry about being swept under its massive bow, or even that one of the humans on board would see her. The only thought in her mind was that she wanted to explore every inch of this intoxicating new world. When she reached the ship, Zirena ran her hands over the painted wooden sides. She looked up and gasped. Directly above her, a figure leaned out over the ship's rail. It was a handsome young man with tousled brown hair and wide black eyes. The man looked down and Zirena dove under the water. He stared for a moment at the spot where she'd been, but then shrugged and walked away. Zirena's face burned red beneath the waves. She didn't want anyone to spot her, but she also couldn't stop herself from creeping up to the surface again. The activity on board the ship was mesmerizing. A man held a small flame in his hands. He walked around the deck lighting lanterns, each one bursting in a moment into brilliant light. What transfixed her most, though, was the young man. When he smiled, he seemed to have a light all his own. She could have spent the whole night watching him. 
Several hours went by and the sky began to darken. Zirena marveled at the fat droplets of rain that splattered against her upturned face. She gasped in amazement when bolts of lightning began to light up the sky. Massive waves crashed against the sides of the ship, sweeping lanterns and tables into the churning water. The men shouted fearfully as they raced about the deck. Zirena had never seen such big waves before. At the bottom of the ocean, there were only gentle currents. She dove and rolled as the ocean swelled around her. For a moment, she forgot all about the ship and the handsome young man. When she looked to find him again, she saw that he wasn't there. She wondered if he had fallen into the water. She smiled at the thought of him coming to live in her father's palace beneath the waves. Then she remembered that humans couldn't live underwater, and her heart sank. She darted around the ship, searching through the churning sea. When she finally saw him, his pale white fingers were just sinking beneath the waves. She raced to his side and pulled him back up to the surface. Zirena grabbed a piece of wood that had fallen off the ship and draped him over it. She kept his head out of the water as the storm raged around them. Hours passed and the wind stopped blowing. The rain let up and the sky cleared. The little mermaid swam alongside the unconscious man, keeping his head above the water as they floated along on gentle tides. She gazed up at the star-strewn sky. It was every bit as magical as she had hoped it would be. The man's eyes were closed, but he was still breathing. He looked just like the sculpture she kept in her garden. Finally, the sun rose and Zirena spotted land. As she swam closer to the shore, she saw mountains and valleys. There were trees and plants like nothing she had ever seen before, all of it drenched in the golden glow of the early morning sun. Zirena dragged herself onto the white sand of the beach. With great effort, she hauled the young man up beside her. Just beyond the beach was a small building. When a bell sounded, several girls emerged from it, talking and laughing amongst themselves. Zirena dove back into the water and watched as one of the girls approached the man. She knelt beside him, and after a few minutes, he opened his eyes. The little mermaid felt a surge of relief, but as she watched the girl help the young man to his feet, her heart sank. She wanted to call out to him to reveal that it was she who had saved him, but it didn't matter. They could never be together, not while he was of the land and she was of the sea. With a heavy heart, Zirena turned and dove beneath the waves. Next, Zirena finds a way to see the young man again. Now, back to the story. On the days following her 15th birthday, Zirena felt a terrible sadness descend over her. For years, she had dreamed of swimming up to see the surface world, and now she had. 
She'd even seen a terrible storm and rescued a handsome young man from drowning. But now, by comparison, the gardens that surrounded her father's underwater palace seemed dull and lifeless. Even the palace itself seemed sad and grim. Time and time again, she returned to the spot where she'd seen the ship. Beyond it was an impressive castle built of yellow stone. Zirena would bob in the water, watching the palace and hoping to catch sight of the young man. It was a fine summer day when she finally saw him. He was descending the marble stairs that led down to the ocean. Sitting atop his tousled brown hair was a crown of rubies and gold. Zirena realized with a start that he must be a prince. Over the next month, she would come every day to watch him. She'd always wondered about the world above the water, but had never given much thought to the humans who inhabited it. She found now that she liked humans. They seemed carefree, and she longed to be like them. On the day of the annual palace ball, Ephemera was helping Zirena prepare when Zirena turned to her with a question. She asked, Grandmother, if humans are not drowned, do they ever die as mermaids do? Ephemera laughed. <laughs> humans die just as we do, but their lives are much shorter. Of course, when mermaids die, we turn into sea foam. When the humans die, they have eternal souls that float up into the heavens. Mermaids cannot cry, but in that moment, Zirena wished that she could. She asked, Isn't there any way for a mermaid to get a human soul? I would give whatever it took. Ephemera shook her head. It's better to be a mermaid. I suppose if a human were to truly love you, and if he were to marry you, then you might share his soul. Of course, that could never happen. Humans think in order to be beautiful, one must have two long, skinny sticks called legs. She looked tenderly into her granddaughter's eyes and told her not to worry. After 300 years of life, the soul of a mermaid is quite happy to rest. Ephemera swept out of the room, leaving Zirena alone with her thoughts. Zirena felt unsettled. Even if she lived a thousand years as a mermaid, she would never be happy without the love of the prince. That evening, the little mermaid snuck away from the ball and went to sit in the shadow of the swaying kelp fronds of her garden. Light and music spilled out through the long windows of amber glass. Zirena looked up at the cold marble eyes of her statue. She thought of the prince and how happy she would be to share his soul. She straightened her tail and dusted herself off. She knew what she had to do. She would go to see the Sea Witch. When Zirena was a girl, her grandmother had told her stories of the Sea Witch, who lived in the center of a terrifying polypi forest. Each one had a hundred worm-like arms that grabbed at anything they could get their hands on. If they took hold of something, they would never let go, and it would die there 
held forever in a crushing embrace. Swimming out to the deadly forest, Zirena surveyed the thicket of waving tentacles. She looked back down the road and thought about her family. Then she thought about her prince and the promise of an immortal soul. She took a deep breath and swam into the thicket. Zirena kept her arms clutched tight around her body as she propelled herself through the water. Looking around, she saw that some of the polypi had objects clutched in their long, spindly fingers. Though she tried not to look at them, Zirena realized with growing horror that these were the skeletons of humans who had drowned in shipwrecks. A slippery finger touched her hair and she screamed. She looked backward at the creature and realized with a jolt that it held the skeleton of a little mermaid in its arms. Zirena shivered as she flipped her tail faster than ever. When Zirena finally reached the clearing, she collapsed in relief onto the cold gray sand. The house in front of her was built entirely of bones. The sea witch sat on the front steps. She had long gray hair and a face as wrinkled as the back of an oyster shell. She clutched a piece of moss between her lips and Zirena watched in disgust as she fed it to the fat toad that sat on her shoulder. At the sea witch's feet, two bulbous brown water snakes wrestled in the mud. The witch called to the snakes and they swam up to her. One curled itself around her neck and the other around her waist. Both rested their ugly heads on her prodigious bosom. Zirena opened her mouth to speak, but before she could, the sea witch gave a little chortle and said, <laughs> I know why you have come, my dear. You wish to marry the prince and gain a human soul. The little mermaid nodded, stunned into silence by the witch's prescience. The witch laughed so heartily that she knocked her pets onto the ground. She asked, You're not the smartest mermaid in the sea, are you? I suppose I could give you legs so the prince might fall in love with you. But you are a fool. You will sacrifice everything, and your wishes will only bring you misery. The witch said she could make a potion that would turn Zirena's tail into legs, but that she must drink it before the sun rose tomorrow. Furthermore, the witch continued, this potion requires my blood, so you must give me something as payment. It will be the most valuable thing you have. I will cut out your tongue and take your voice. Zirena's eyes widened in horror. When she had thought of meeting the prince, she had imagined talking with him and singing to him. She asked, What will I have if not my voice? The witch laughed and said that Zirena had her youth, beauty, and grace. Many a man had fallen for less. The little mermaid thought of the prince and her immortal soul. She spoke with conviction when she told the witch that she agreed. She followed the witch inside the house and put out her tongue. The old woman took a bone knife from the wall. 
In one movement, she cut out the little mermaid's tongue. Zirena floated to the floor, groaning in agony. She clasped her hands to her mouth, and blood poured out from between her fingers, drifting up into the water. The witch tossed her a small stone bottle and told her to drink its contents. Zirena gulped down the acrid liquid. Within seconds, the pain subsided to a dull ache, and the blood stopped gushing. Zirena floated up. She tried to speak, but no sound came out, not even a grunt or a groan. She looked to the sea witch, who stood over a large, cast-iron cauldron, muttering various strange words and stirring the pot. Using the bone knife, she slashed a long cut across her breast. Thick black blood dripped into the cauldron, causing its contents to hiss and bubble. The witch poured some of the concoction into a glass bottle and handed it to Zirena. The witch said, Before you drink the potion, there is one last thing you should know. Once you have become human, you can never come back to the sea. If you do not win the prince's heart, you will die. When the sun rises on the morning after his marriage to another, your body will turn into foam on the surface of the waves. Zirena nodded bravely. She had come this far, and she would not let fear keep her from her prince and her immortal soul. The witch cackled madly as the little mermaid backed out of the house. With the witch's laughter still ringing in her ears, Zirena faced the field of polypi once more. As she passed through the forest, the worm-like creatures shrank back in fear. It seemed that even they knew there was something terrible about the little bottle that she held in her hand. Zirena swam past the spires of her father's underwater palace. As she did so, she spared a last look at her home. She knew she would never see her family again. She felt heartbroken, but as she rose to the surface of the water, her sadness was replaced by excitement. Zirena pulled herself up onto the marble steps that led to the prince's palace. She pulled the little cork stopper out of the bottle and drank down the potion in a single gulp. The pain was immediate. It was like a bolt of lightning had struck her, ripping through her body and torturing every inch of skin and muscle. Her head began to swim with the intensity of it. She fell back against a marble pillar and everything went dark. Zirena opened her eyes and squinted into the bright sunlight. A man was standing over her. She realized with a jolt that it was the prince. Looking down at herself, she saw that she now had two slim legs that ended in strange, fat little appendages. The prince bent down and smiled dazzlingly at her, asking, where did you come from? Zirena opened her mouth, but then remembered that she couldn't speak. Instead, she looked sadly up into the prince's sparkling black eyes. 
He introduced himself as Lars and asked her again where she was from, but still she said nothing. Lars laughed. Well, even if you won't speak, you're welcome to come inside and get dry. He reached out a hand and helped her up. As soon as she stood, Zirena felt a stab of blinding pain. It shot through her new legs to her spine before slowly spreading throughout her lower body. Seeing the agony flash across her face, the prince seized her hand and asked what was wrong. Zirena stared at the sand. The pain coursing through her legs made even thinking difficult, but she couldn't let the prince know the truth that her legs were not hers at all. She couldn't let him see her agony. So she pushed through the pain and forced a smile. The prince smiled in return and beckoned for her to follow him. Every step was like walking on shards of glass, but Zirena was determined to not show any outward sign of her pain. So she followed silently behind the prince, all the way up the marble stairs and into the palace. Once inside, Zirena had the wonders of the palace to take her mind off of her agony. Intricate tapestries hung on the walls, and the rooms were filled with finely made furniture and exotic plants. The large, bright windows were curtained in fine silks, and in one room, a fountain spouted water up toward a sparkling glass roof. The halls and corridors seemed to stretch on and on, but as the wondrous sights became commonplace, the searing pain fought its way back to the forefront of Zirena's mind. Later that evening, a maid helped Zirena dress in a gown of pink gossamer silk. Then she led Zirena to a grand ballroom. There, a crowd watched as a group of singers performed a ballad for the royal family. Zirena felt terrible frustration. If she only had her voice, she knew that she could sing twice as well as any of the women there. Once the ballad was finished, the singers were replaced by a number of dancers who moved about to the music of a sad, sweet violin. Zirena wasn't sure what they were doing exactly, but something told her that with her new legs, she could do it better. Simply standing was an act of willpower, but Zirena had to do something to win the prince's heart. She raised her arms above her head and stepped out into the center of the dance floor. As she began to spin and glide about the dance floor, intense pain shot through her legs once more. All the other dancers moved away. Everyone stared at her, for they had never seen anyone dance so beautifully. It was as though she walked on air, though to her, it was like walking on blades. When the music stopped, the room echoed with thunderous applause. Zirena looked down at her feet. The pain was so intense, she thought she must be bleeding, but there was no outward sign of her affliction. The prince called for an encore. Zirena wanted to scream, but instead she smiled and began to dance again. 
After the dance, Zireno ran up to the prince and sat down beside him. He looked at her fondly and told her he had never seen anyone move the way she did. He called her his little foundling and announced to his family that he should like for her to stay in the castle and be his companion. Zirena looked up into his eyes. She was so happy that she forgot all about the pain in her feet. That evening, the prince had a velvet cushion brought up and placed outside his door for her to sleep on. He told Zirena that in the morning he would have her fitted for a page's dress. As Zirena lay down, she imagined the life they would have together, and a glimmer of happiness began to grow in her heart. Next, Zirena learns a terrible lesson about love and heartbreak. Now back to the story. Even though she missed her mermaid family terribly, Zirena was happy. She and the prince spent every day together. Though she had traded her voice to the sea witch for legs, she was happy just to listen to the prince's stories and observations. She sometimes worried about the possibility that the prince would meet another woman and Zirena would die on the morning after their wedding. But for the most part, she was quite content to spend day after day in the company of the man who she loved. The prince taught her to ride on horseback. Together they would ride through the town and out to the sun-dappled woods, where sparrows darted between the green spring boughs. They climbed mountains together, and though her feet screamed out with pain, the smile never slipped from her face. At night, when the palace was asleep, Zirena would creep down to the ocean side and soothe her feet in the cold salt water. One night, her sisters chanced upon her. Every night after that, they would come to visit. They sang to her and begged her to come home. Zirena could only wave at them, for she had no way of saying that she could never return to the sea. One night, even her father and grandmother rose to the surface to gaze mournfully across the waves at their beloved child. Each day, Zirena fell more in love with the prince, and though he loved her as well, it was not the romantic love she longed for. Lars loved Zirena like a child, and even though she knew he would never think of marrying her, Zirena was happy just to be at his side. When he would kiss her on the forehead and tell her how they would never be parted, she felt all the pain she endured had been worthwhile. One day when they sat together by the sea, Lars confided in her that there was only one woman he had ever loved. He had a forlorn look in his eye as he spoke. Sometimes you remind me of her. I'd been in a shipwreck. I awoke on a beach outside of a convent, and a beautiful young woman came to my side and saved my life. I only met her twice, but I know I'll never forget her. Sadly, I can never marry her, as she has given her life to the church, but I'm lucky to have you in her stead. Zirena wished she could cry. If only he could know that she had been the one who had saved his life. 
Perhaps then he would love her instead of this other woman. Of course, even if he never loved her as a wife or shared his soul with her, Zirena could be happy just to be with him. Unfortunately, the king had other plans for his son. In spring, he made arrangements for Lars to be married to the princess of a neighboring kingdom. Lars agreed to go, but Zirena knew him better than anyone else, and she wasn't worried. One evening before the trip, he gazed into her eyes and said to her, Truthfully, I know already that I cannot marry this woman. Whoever she is, she's not the woman I love, the one you remind me of. I suppose if I were forced to choose a bride, I would marry you, my foundling. He kissed her, then stroked her hair and laid his head upon her heart. As they boarded the ship that would take them to the neighboring kingdom, Lars turned to Zirena and asked, You're not afraid of the water, are you? She shook her head and smiled as he began to tell her about the wonders of the ocean that he had seen from his ship. That evening, after everyone had gone to sleep, Zirena sat staring at the water, thinking of the world she had left behind. She wished that she could tell her grandmother not to worry, or tell her sisters how content she was. The next morning, the ship docked in the harbor of a lovely oceanside town. Lars stayed on board as he waited to meet the princess, but Zirena left the ship to explore. As she ducked between the sailors and servants coming off of the ship, she overheard a snippet of conversation. She's supposed to be very pretty. I heard she was educated in a convent. Zirena's heart skipped a beat. They must have been talking about the prince's intended. Suddenly, she felt terribly uneasy. She made her way back to the ship with a lump in her throat. When she saw her prince embracing a dark-haired beauty with sparkling blue eyes, her heart sank. It was the woman from the seashore, the one who had found him that day after the storm. She had not become a nun after all, and she was just as beautiful as the prince had described. Zirena watched as he pulled away from her and whispered, I can't believe it's you. She stepped up to him and Lars turned to her asking joyfully, Will you be happy for me, my little foundling? She smiled and gave him a cheerful hug. Then she walked away from the happy couple. With each step, she could feel her heart breaking a little more. The wedding was put on without delay. The little mermaid wore a lovely gown of pink satin. She held up the bride's delicate lace train as she walked down the aisle. That evening, the couple set sail for home. There was dancing and music on the ship, and good food and fine wine were served. But Zirena didn't partake. All she could think of was how she would die in the morning. As she did not have a soul, she would become foam and cease to exist. Zirena danced that night for Lars and his bride. She moved more gracefully than ever, and the pain in her feet was nothing 
compared with the pain in her heart. Lars stroked the raven hair of his beautiful young bride. He whispered in her ear, and the two retired to the tented pavilion that had been prepared for them. One by one, the party guests went off to bed until the little mermaid was the only one remaining on the ship's deck. She leaned over the rail and looked out across the sea, scanning the horizon for the first touch of dawn that would bring her death. As she gazed at the water, she was surprised to see figures rising up out of it. The figures came closer, and Zirena realized that they were her sisters. They looked as grim as she did. All six had clipped their hair so short they were almost bald. Her eldest sister swam up to the boat and held out the witch's bone knife, saying, Sister, we were so worried about you. When we saw that the prince was married, we went to the sea witch to ask for help. We gave her our hair, and in return she gave us this knife. You must plunge it into the prince's heart before sunrise. When you wash your feet in his warm blood, you will turn back into a mermaid. Please do this and come back to us. They all called out in unison, begging her to come home. Then they sank beneath the waves and were gone. Zirena watched them go, her heart breaking all over again. She looked to the sky where the pink light of dawn was just beginning to touch the horizon, and then down at the bone knife in her hand. Zirena pulled aside the deep red curtain of the pavilion and looked in at the sleeping lovers. The prince's bride slept with her head against her husband's chest. Zirena placed a tender kiss on his brow. Lars whispered the name of his bride, and the little mermaid felt as if a hand were gripping her heart. Even in sleep, she was in his thoughts. She held the knife up before him with a trembling hand, and then she raced back out onto the deck and threw it with all of her might into the ocean. Zirena looked one last time at her beloved before throwing herself over the rail of the ship. As the sun rose, the little mermaid hit the waves and burst apart, dissolving instantly into sea foam. Zirena felt as though she were drifting upward through the air. It did not feel like death and darkness, but like light and air. She looked around her and saw a hundred transparent beings floating upwards from the ocean. Their voices formed a melodious chorus, and Zirena was surprised to find that she could speak again. Where am I? One of the spirits answered her. You are with the daughters of the air. A mermaid can only earn an immortal soul through marriage to a mortal. Her fate is never in her own hands. The children of the air do not have souls either, but we can earn them. We strive to do good deeds, bringing cool breezes to hot climates to drive out insects and disease. 
we bring strong winds to worthy sailors and turn the blades of windmills for hard-working farmers. After 300 years when we have done all the good we can, we will earn our immortal souls. You wanted nothing more than to do as we do, and because you suffered and tried with your whole heart, you have risen up to become one of us. She looked down at the ship where people were beginning to awaken. Lars and his bride were looking sadly at the spot where she had thrown herself from the ship. It almost seemed as if they knew what had become of her. Zirena kissed the bride's cheek and blew a cool breeze against the forehead of the prince. Then she rose up into the air. She looked into the rising sun and smiled. For the first time, a tear sprung to her eyes. It was a tear of joy. Born to an impoverished washerwoman and her shoemaker husband, Hans Christian Andersen endured a lonely and difficult childhood. His father died when he was 11, and his mother remarried shortly thereafter. And so, at the age of 14, he left his home to seek his fortune in Copenhagen. It was there that he met the businessman Jonas Kalin, who took a shine to the young Andersen and decided to bankroll his education. Andersen's first published work was a book of essays that was roundly rejected by Danish literary critics. He was trying too hard to affect a literary style that reflected that of other great authors. However, his children's stories were written with much less pretense. These he wrote for himself in the language of ordinary people. They're also the stories that proved Andersen's true literary genius and that have endured to this day. Though he was romantically interested in a number of the men and women in his social circles, his love would always go unrequited. One of the greatest romantic disappointments of his life was Ovard Colleen, the son of his wealthy benefactor. Upon first meeting the handsome and charismatic Colleen, Anderson was quickly infatuated. Though Colleen initially found Anderson odd and off-putting, the two eventually became friends. They remained close throughout their lives. When Colleen announced his marriage to a woman in 1836, Anderson was heartbroken. It was around the time of the wedding that he penned the tragic tale of The Little Mermaid, a touching tribute to self-sacrifice and unconditional love. The Little Mermaid remains one of Anderson's most beloved works to this day. Like The Little Mermaid, Anderson felt he did not belong in any of the worlds he lived in. He loved a man who would never return his affection. Anderson gave his Little Mermaid a happy ending of sorts. Though she never won the prince's heart, she achieved a different goal. Through her work as a spirit of the air, she improved the lives of thousands of people. She found a calling, and it allowed her to live on as an immortal spirit. Through his work as a children's author, Anderson was also able to find purpose, satisfaction, and a kind of immortality.
Thanks for listening to Tales. We'll be back on Wednesday with a new episode. You can find more episodes of Tales and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Tales, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Tales on Spotify, just open the app, tap Browse, and type Tales in the search bar. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. Join me next week for another dark and surprising fairy tale. Tales was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler, sound design by Carrie Murphy, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, Isabella Way, and Joel Stein. This episode of Tales was written by Zoe Luisa Lewis, with writing assistance by Greg Castro, and stars Vanessa Richardson.